isn't that a nice little tune? That is Daily Beetle by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And you can go to Incompetech.com and source a range of free music, many different genres and types and what have you. And Kevin McLeod makes it available to everybody. And this is not a paid endorsement. I've never spoken to the man, but I have used his music so many times in my videos and podcasts and what have you. And so if you ever get into content creation or just want to check out some free music, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech is worth going and taking a look. Now, on to the business for today, and it is the 30th of November 2017. I've got a question for you. Do you believe that dinosaurs roamed the earth in the prehistoric past? And if your answer is yes, does it bother you if people disagree? And if your answer is no, does it bother you if people disagree? In other words, regardless of what you think about the existence or otherwise of dinosaurs in the past, do you really care if any person that you're speaking to at any given moment in time holds a different opinion to you? One of the things I've noticed in my time in the alternative conspiracy truth realm, what I call the act realm or the act scene is that a lot of people possibly the majority of people it's very important to them that if they disagree with somebody on a topic like dinosaurs or human evolution theory or heliocentrism or these kinds of things it's very important to them that they discuss it and disagree sometimes you'll see these people have several hour conversations live broadcast to the world where they go back and forth disagreeing with one another and not arriving at any firm conclusions or any agreements or changing their positions in any serious way. We see this over and over again. Now, some of these people will tell you that it is still worth doing this, that they don't have to change each other's mind, that it's worth simply disagreeing. And if that's how they feel about it, that's fair enough. We all have to use our time however we see fit. And if we enjoy disagreeing with each other, then that is, uh, that's up to you. My take, however, is that perhaps this is not really the best use of our time. When we're talking to somebody, especially someone who we're still getting to know, maybe the idea of disagreeing about these topics, maybe that's not the best use of our time. I'm not too sure. What we're going to take a look at in this podcast today is a chat that I had with a gentleman named Gaia who is based in South America. In fact, I think he's currently based in Brazil. I might be mistaken. But you'll detect from his accent that English is not his first language, but he's very proficient in it, clearly an intelligent person. And yesterday, my time, the 29th of November 2017, he and I spent, was it half an hour, 40 minutes, I'm not too sure, chatting about dinosaurs. Now, that wasn't my intention, But uh, this gentleman had reached out to me and said hello via email and we'd had some correspondence back and forth. And not only that, but Gaia, G-A-I-A, had uh, basically played a large role in the recent growth of my website. Would you believe this? Gaia had left some nice comments about my website at another blog named Peace of Mindful, which some of you might be familiar with which is run by a gentleman named Mark Tokarski. I think and I hope I'm pronouncing that properly. Anyway, the point being that that particular blog, POM we'll call it, deals at certain times with media fakery and these kinds of things. And they're sometimes linked to by Fakeologist, which is obviously a platform that I've had some things to, uh, to do with in the past. So anyway, the point here is that this piece of mindful blog, which until relatively recently I hadn't really had anything to do with, Well, Gaia had left some positive words about my website on that blog, and that had driven traffic to my website and resulted in at least two, maybe three, new people signing up as full members of the website. And of course, it's only been a year that I've been doing this with the subscription website. So at the moment, there's about 30 full members, I think, something like this. So it's still a relatively, it's still a very small website, really, in in the broader scheme of things. So to have two or three people sign up in the space of a week or two in one way or another as a result of some kind words that are left by somebody who you've never even spoken to 
at another blog, that's a pretty cool thing. And so I was very thankful, and I am very thankful to Gaia for doing that. So I thought, I'd love to have a chat with this person. And I went back after an almost 12-week hiatus from the Fakeologist audio chats. I went back and logged into the Discord server. And before long, I had a chance to chat with Gaia. And you're about to hear that conversation in a moment. Now, most of you are aware of this, but for context of people who might not be aware, basically, Fakeologist is a blog that deals primarily with what I call the baby hoaxes. So when there's a mass shooting like that event in Las Vegas recently, this is the kind of topic that they talk about. They talk about how generally, because there's a different, you know, there's a diverse group of people who are on that website, but generally they all agree these events are all fake. That's the one thing they all have in common. Same with 9-11. They all believe that that event was uh, at the very least embellished. And I think most of them probably share my view, which is that 9-11 was a made-for-TV movie. Now, we all disagree, or at least I disagree with most fakeologists about the purpose for that made-for-TV movie, but that's a different matter for a different day. The point is that Fakeologist is a blog that deals with media fakery, and it's not just a blog where people leave comments. In fact, there's very little written commenting going on. The vast bulk of their activity is on the Discord server, and Discord is kind of like Skype, but it's used more by gamers and these kinds of people as a way to communicate in uh, in audio chats, in audio calls, these kinds of things. So Ab, once he has approved you for his server, you can go on there at any time. And there's a good chance there'll be at least one and sometimes four or five people discussing media fakery and other deceptions that are going on in the world today. So the point of all of this is that I went onto the Discord server yesterday Gaia was there, and we proceeded to have the chat that we're about to have. So if you're not already using the Fakeologist Discord server, and you would like to discuss these kinds of things with people who are relatively open-minded, or at least willing to discuss them, then Fakeologist is a place that you can do that. I'll have more to say at the end of what you're about to hear, but for the time being, I think that that is enough context. So this was my first audio discussion with Gaia. My predisposition towards Gaia was a positive one because of the fact that he had promoted my website elsewhere to good effect, has generated traffic to the website, and he has done a lot just by leaving some nice comments on other people's blogs or on one other person's blog. Gaia has done a lot to promote my site, for which I'm very thankful. I'll leave it there. That's all the context I'll give for now. I think that's enough. Like I said, it's either a 30 or a 40 minute chat. We'll find out, I suppose. And I'll be back at the end of it with some thoughts, some reflective thoughts on how the chat went. So with all of that said, on the 29th of November, the following call was recorded, 2017. We'll pick it up from where I joined the chat and we'll go from there. You have chimpanzees painting. Uh, Is my audio coming through now? Hey, you are. Oh, good. Yeah, sorry about that. I was there for 10 or 15 minutes, and um, obviously there was a problem with the uh, the setup. Wow, all good, yeah? John, That's still, good. still, the setup is not very good because you have a delay. I, c- I couldn't hear you at all. I mean, I didn't even realize you were talking before you were so low. It wasn't until Guy I said you were talking that I realized. That's okay, but it's all coming through clear now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, right. it's good. Um, John, if you don't mind, I'm just going to bow out for a bit. Go on mute if you uh, if you're happy to talk or whatever. I just got to um, mute out for a bit. Is that cool? Yeah, that's cool. I just wanted to ask both of you one question. That's all. Yeah, yeah far away. Oh, yep, yeah, far away. How how long do you think you two could talk about evolution and fail to convince one another? of your respective opinions before you would decide I wasn't, I wasn't to uh, agree to disagree and move on? I wasn't trying to convince them at all. I was enjoying the discussion and that's as far as it went. Oh, that's good. That's good. The reason I ask is just because... Yeah, the reason I ask is because evolution seems like one of those topics where you know people can talk for hours and hours and at the end of it, nobody's position has changed one iota. Which isn't necessarily no, a problem. It isn't necessarily a problem. Yeah. It's just uh, I do wonder sometimes but about the... Uh, most subjects are like that. Well, at least many subjects are like that, would be fair to say. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And and to my way of thinking, 
that doesn't mean that they're, they're not worth talking about. I would agree with you that perhaps often the conversations become pointless and, and, and stuff like that. I, I'd, I'd grant you that, but I, I don't think that that means it's, you know, never worth talking about. No, I agree. I haven't had a conversation about evolution for ages, ages and ages and ages. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah. Um, but hopefully you can continue the conversation for a bit because <laughs> my phone's going flat and I'm just going to mute out for a bit. You put me on the spot here. <laughs> well, Guy, we said that we would have a chat and uh, I've got a little bit of time before I have to leave for work, so I thought I would say hello. Hey, uh, same for me. I really have to go to bed because... Not because I want to, because I like to. I'm a uh, vampire, but uh, I really enjoy fire. I must say. I mean, you are a very sharp thinker and an inspirational person. I have so I'm happy to talk. Well, I don't want to keep you up too late. I mean, I'm back now from my little self-imposed uh, exile from YouTube, Google Hangouts, and Fakeologist. So I'm sure we'll get a chance to chat at some point in the future. Yeah, you're going in and out a bit, but I will try to listen well. Oh, well, I was just trying to explain that um, if you have to go to bed now, there's no No, 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 not now, no. I will enjoy this, and then I'm in like half an hour. Well, is there anything in particular that you wanted to discuss? Uh, Well, uh, we have talked about evolution right now. You're listening, uh, probably. uh, we talked about dinosaurs before. <laughs> I really don't understand where this obsession with dinosaurs comes from. Whose obsession? And why are dinosaurs somehow more important than other fossils? To who? Like you say, it's an obsession. Whose obsession? From both sides. The mainstream and the kind of alternative viewpoint on it. I mean, why are dinosaurs somehow special? So dinosaur fossils are fake, but then the rest is all real. I mean, how does it work? I don't understand. Yeah, I don't really know what you're talking about. I don't know which people you're referring to, so I can't really give a comment. No, I mean, I hear dinosaurs are fake. So dinosaurs never existed. So they were never giant lizards. So then the question, two questions arise. What is the most giant lizard that existed. What was it? Was it a crocodile or a turtle or a snake or what other kind of reptile or other animal? And how does the ecology of that time allegedly the dinosaurs were around work? I mean who ate those plants? Who were predating on the animal who ate those plants? No, how was it uh, related to the mammals and the birds and the uh, marine fossils uh, being around at, at that time? So is there anything in particular that you wanted to discuss with me? Well, that, those two, two questions. Well, obviously I don't know what was happening on Earth hundreds of years ago, so if you want to know what was eating plants or what have you, there's not really much I can say to you, unfortunately. Yeah, that's the difference I have with a lot of people here, because they have the position, I challenge a mainstream position, and I don't need to give an alternative answer. My position is, you are only strong if you give an alternative answer, and you are able to answer all the observations the mainstream explains, uh, in a different model. I'm fine with that different model, but please explain it to me. When you say only strong, what do you mean? Um, think about all of the baby hoses. That's your, uh, your word. Um, you can say right from the start, it's all host. No, it's host. No. If you say, okay, explain to me how did these, these witnesses come into play? Well, there's crisis actors. How these, did these uh, victims uh, come into play? Well, either their names were faked, or their identities were stolen, or they got a new identity. How were these photos faked? Well, because the media is in control and they have uh, Photoshop and all that. 
mean, then you have a, an alternative explanation to the mainstream narrative. And I agree with that, and I'm all on board with that, and I have done my research. Same for Apollo, which is a more scientific uh, point. I can prove that Apollo is wrong because of geology. I can prove that Apollo is wrong because of engineering. I can prove Apollo is wrong because of uh, logic, uh, because of history, and all these kind of things. That makes a strong case. If you say, no, yeah, Apollo is hoax, and, uh, but what happens? Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, that is not a good answer. So when you say if somebody wants to have a strong opinion or be strong, what you mean is that for them to convince you to their way of thinking, they have to give you an alternative explanation for the mainstream. Well, ob- observations, yes. Yeah, that's fair enough. Well, I'm in a fortunate position where I don't really feel the need or inclination to convince you to uh, my way of thinking. So I don't really feel any obligation to give alternative models, as it were. Don't you feel that this is a kind of weak position? Well, if your definition of strong and weak is to convince you, then I guess, yeah, no, if you need... No, it's not about me. No, it's not about me. It's about, um, I mean, talk about your John, your Bonner model. I mean, you want to prove that there is a... or you want to postulate that there is a different model possible for the observations we can do in a night sky, every one of us, which is not the heliocentric model, and I work with that. But that can only happen if you can indeed explain these observations in a coherent, consistent, scientific, logical way, which the mainstream model at the moment cannot do. Well, the point that I make with my Bon Earth model work is that heliocentrism, if you just look at the basic heliocentrism model, actually can explain the observations that we see. Yes. What I'm saying is that the Bon Earth model, a, a geocentric, if you want to be, uh, if you want to use labels, you could use a model that operates from geocentrism that can also explain the observations. That's the point that I make. I completely agree with that. But you see, the way that I see things is if somebody believes in heliocentrism or as being like a literal depiction of where we live, or if they believe in human evolution theory, or if they believe that we are made of atoms, ultimately it makes no difference to my life. So I'm not going to go out of my way to try to change their mind, you see? Yeah, no, I agree with that. That's also why I am surprised the daddy or teeny hoaxes or what position you choose. Because I think that the lower level hoaxes are much more important for people's lives. And evolution is different because that's where we come from and that's really um, crucial to our existence. But like uh, dinosaurs, I mean, nobody cares about dinosaurs. I mean, go, go on the street. <laughs> Ask someone, hey, do you think dinosaurs exist? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But if they don't exist, yeah, my life goes on. I mean, Changes. Evolution, okay, yes, it does. But dinosaurs... Do you see how dinosaurs are an integral part of convincing people of evolution? No, I don't. Were you taught about dinosaurs as a child? Uh, yes, but not in very much detail. What, uh, what grade or what class level were you in when you studied or you were taught about dinosaurs when you were a child? Like you, I watched uh, The Land Time. I liked it. It was nice, uh, nice cartoon. But no, uh, uh, somewhere 10-12 years old, something like that. Mm. So you were young, and for me, it was when I was in grade one. So I was six or seven really? years old. Yeah, yeah we spent, you're a bit younger than. Me. Yeah, so we spent a term because back in primary school we would have four terms per year, and each term would be dedicated to a certain topic. And so one of our terms was dedicated to dinosaurs. And so this was well before we had any instruction in human evolution theory or in heliocentrism. We were learning about dinosaurs. And, of course, by learning, I mean we were just being told stories and we were uh, were given lots of uh, colourful pictures and movies and these kinds of things. And so what I would suggest is that for a lot of people, because they buy into this idea of dinosaurs existing millions of years ago and experts who can tell you all about these dinosaurs 
then on a fundamental level, they've bought into all of the foundational concepts that will then be used to convince them of the legitimacy of human evolution theory. So I think there's a big overlap in terms of how people begin to accept certain ideas between human evolution theory, dinosaurs, and heliocentrism, or the broader space idea, because, of course, dinosaurs were supposedly yeah. wiped out by the asteroids. And where do they come yeah. from? Oh, they come from space, you see. So there's a heavy overlap, in my opinion, between all of these things. But if somebody says to me, oh, well, JLB, your hoax hierarchy, I would do it differently, I say, that's fantastic. Put together your version of a hoax hierarchy, and we can discuss them. You know, I'm not suggesting that my version is the truth or the best version. No, no. It's just my version. So if other people no, want to put together their I own hierarchy, I welcome it. I encourage it. That's terrific. No, no, no. I, that's why I like you. That's why I like your way of positioning yourself within the world and uh, your humbleness about what you know and what you don't know. And Okay, there's, there's two things. Uh, one is I am surprised how you are so humble about the baby hoaxes, in, at least in words. I know you think differently. I mean, you think it's all crap or uh, the same stage play as ever before. But at least in presentation, you portray the idea, okay, it could be real, it could be fake. And with dinosaurs, you are completely black and white. It's fake. There's no question. When did I when did I say that? In, in, what were you referring in, to? Which in many, 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 everything you have published, everything. Can you give me one example? The probably it was the either the Istanbul hoax or the uh, or then the hoax. One of no, the I mean with the dinosaurs. When when did I say? No, one of the two. You you went into dinosaurs, and then you said. Okay, it's a complete hoax. Uh, okay, you didn't say the word fake. Okay, maybe you said it's a complete hoax. It's just ridiculous. That's the wording you used. It's, it's just ridiculous. Okay, well, let me be clear here. Everything that I talk about is my opinion. So if I say that I suspect that all dinosaurs are fake or a hoax or embellished or make-believe or whatever term it is that I use, I'm talking merely about my opinion. I can't tell you for certain that it's fake. There is a possibility that I have lost my mind. That is a possibility. I think it's a very small possibility, a very remote possibility, but that could well be the case. So I certainly don't want anyone to think, well, JLB is certain that dinosaurs are fake, therefore that adds weight to the notion that they're fake. I'm just one person with opinions. The difference between what I do and what most of my peers do or what other content creators do is that I at least show you the evidence for my opinion. So with the dinosaurs, for instance, I show you the scientific studies that I have read in my own time. And I say, look, here's what they say. Here's what they show. Here's why I think this is nonsense. Or I went out to a dinosaur museum in the middle of Australia and yeah. I looked at their holotype specimens and I said, guys, here is some video footage or here is some photos of what they claim is a million, multi-million year old uh, creature. Here's why I am not convinced of their story. You see? But who knows? Maybe humans did evolve. Maybe dinosaurs did exist. Maybe they were wiped out by asteroids. I am open-minded to these possibilities, even if I personally think these are ridiculous stories. Yeah, my point was that in your presentation, in your videos, you show that stance uh, regarding the baby hoaxes, the terror hoaxes, and all these uh, this crap, uh, which is completely hoax, of course. We, we, we both know that, but on the dinosaur hoax, you didn't present yourself like that. In the public videos I've seen, I mean, maybe in your pay, uh, paywall uh, videos you have a different stance, and that's fine. But in your public videos, you show that, that difference. Well, if you can link me to an example with a timestamp, I'm happy to go back and review it. But I think I've been pretty clear for a long time. Here is the evidence, the objective evidence that is given to us by so-called scientists. Here is the official story of history. Here is the claims that they make. Now, here is the empirical data. Here is the objective data that we can all access for ourselves. Now, based on all of this, here is my opinion. So you've got your evidence, then your logic, and then your presentation. I like to think that I've been pretty clear with this right from the start. Here's the evidence. 
here's the logic, here's my opinion based on the evidence and the logic. Okay. I don't really know what much more I can do than that. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. My, my question is, okay, if not dinosaurs, then what else? I don't know what you're... What do you mean, what well, else? In, in, what else, what? In, in, yeah, it's a good question because it's twofold. What animals were there when there were not dinosaurs? And are the other fossils also fake? Okay, so in terms of what animals were there when there weren't dinosaurs, when, when are you talking about? What animals were there when? In the so-called Cretaceous and Jurassic. Well, I obviously don't accept that there was a Cretaceous or a Jurassic period. Why do you? Because I've looked into rocks myself. Really? Did you manage to date those rocks for yourself? No, I haven't. I accept that. I take it as an assumption. Do you know it's how they supposedly system. do their radiometric dating? Yes, I do. I do. Yes, Does I do. Does it seem sensible to you? Does it seem believable? It, it is based on the assumption that there was 100% of a certain isotope, and then it decayed into another isotope, and then you can measure the ratio between the decayed isotope and the 100% theoretical original isotope, right? So if we take that as being a, a basic synopsis of radiometric dating, does that seem believable to you, that that's what they're doing? I don't see any problems with it. I don't... Defend it, but I don't see any problem. Well, that's fair enough. If you're happy believing that they can date these items, yeah, and it's not views, belief. It's not belief. That's the whole problem. You try. What is it then? If it's not belief, then what is? Frame it? it as a belief system. Well, what and is it's it? Not if it's not belief, belief. Then what is it? A belief is 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 something that is completely irrespective of data points, and there are data points. Okay, so if you're comfortable accepting the yes, radiometric okay. dating story, yep. then you can call that a belief or you can call it whatever you like. The point is you're comfortable with that, you're happy with that, then I'm happy for you. I'm not going to try to take that away from you. It works. It's a working model. It's just like the heliocentrism. It's a working model. What do you mean working model? What does that mean to you? It works. It's, it's um, both des descriptive of the current uh, observations, and it's predictive. Which observations? Of Which observations are you talking about? If I drill well in the deep offshore of Brazil, which is my working area at the moment, I can find 4Ms, which are planktonic uh, animals that don't exist today, and they comply with the idea that they are so many million years old. Because Have so you done this? Stages. The actual breeding? No, I haven't done that. So there are creatures actual that uh, existed. There are creatures that you're saying that used to exist but no longer do. So where can we see these creatures? Okay, if you want to go that way, then go to Kimmeridge Bay in England, in southern England. You can see ammonites in the beach. They're not fake or so. I mean, they're... Okay, so are we talking about ammonites or are we talking about what you no, found uh, or what can be found digging? Uh, okay, so, yeah, but if you want to talk to uh, real empirical uh, science, then we talk about ammonites because I've seen that with my own eyes. So I can, yeah, vouch for that. I cannot vouch for the whole uh, uh, history of uh, foraminific uh, evolution. No, I cannot. So why, why are you bringing up these hypothetical extinct creatures of Brazil if the moment that you're asked for your evidence, you immediately retract? Why, why do you do that? No, because of your point, you made up. You said, have you seen it? What I've seen is ammonite. Well, I didn't ask if you've seen it. I said, where can we see it? Like, where okay. can we go to see uh, these okay, uh, extinct fine, creatures fine. from Brazil? Well, you can uh, drill well. It costs a lot of money, but you can drill well. Mm, and well, no, I can't. I can't drill a well off Brazil. The average person cannot do that. Okay, so you are in a position that you don't accept anything someone else does that analyzes those samples. No, that's not well. what I said. I said, where can we see them? And if it's the case that we have to drill to be able to see them, then I can't see them. But okay. perhaps you have uh, some kind of um, museum or something somewhere, you know? At least then mm -hmm. we've got something to work with. There are lots of papers and, uh, and so on, yeah. 
salt. How does it come there in the in the deep offshore of Brazil and in Africa? How does it come there? How does what come there? Salt. Thick layers of salt. Kilometers of salt. Salt. Yeah. Rock salt. I don't know. I don't know how they got there. Do you? Uh, at least I have the model, which is the mainstream model. Well, it's not a model. It's a story. You haven't explained how it's, it's a, a model, model yet. It's, it's just a, a story. It's the, the mainstream model says that Africa and South America, which are very much aligned in shape, they split and in the shallow, hot climate of the early Cretaceous, which is... Uh, 120 million years ago, there was salt deposition in those basins. How is this a model? You're telling me a story. How is this a model? Or are those two words the same thing to you? Uh, if I drill when well... You say model, when you say model, it makes it sound very scientific and everything, but nothing is. that you told me sounds like a model. I mean, my job is, is building models. So, um, you, you drill a well and you find kilometers of salt. How does it end up there? No, I don't do that, and neither do you. So when you say yeah. model, what are you talking uh, about? This, this, this is a, such a easy ethic cultist position. Really, it is. It is taking everything everyone says as a lie. No, that's it, not. It, like, what not you just did is a straw man. I'm not calling you a liar. I'm asking you no, to explain. I know. What I know does this word don't. model mean to you? Or are you just using the word model because it sounds scientific? No, because it works. Because it's predictive. Because it's descriptive. Wow, it's predictive. So, what did it predict, this model of yours? That you can find salt and oil below that salt in the deep offshore of Brazil. What came first, the disco- these discoveries or the model? Because if the discoveries first came... First the model. First the model. Oh, so they came up with a model and they yes, said with this model we model predict that we will find no, all of the no, salt and then they went and found the salt. No, there's so many uh, dry wells drilled. No, you first make a model, then you drill, and then you test your hypothesis, which is the, model, the initial model, with data you find in real life. Then you so what did this model, model of yours predict? What did it predict? That there was uh, layers of salt below layers of sediment. Below those layers, there was a possibility to find oil, and they did. So was this before or after oil had been found in the deep sea, this model? It was after. Hmm. So it's not really predictive then. So we already knew that you can find oil in the deep sea, Then this model of yours came along. So it's not really predictive. So can you give me any examples of, of these predictions? Predicted. Well, what is it predicted? The the model, okay, maybe theory or hypothesis or whatever you want to call it, is that you had uh, sediments laid down before the salt when the Atl- southern Atlantic was really opening up. And you had um, lacustrine lake environment where you had uh, source rocks, so rocks with high organic matter, laid down. You can find source rocks anywhere on Earth. You can even test them. You can put them in a uh, test tube and you can do experiments and then it produces oil. So this whole idea of no oil is not coming from organic matter. Yeah, of course it does. I mean, you can prove it yourself. How can I prove that this uh, petroleum is coming from uh, from dead carcasses and this kind of thing? How can I prove that? Yeah, that, that's that's your misrepresentation you put in your uh, 37 uh, things normies believe that oil comes from dinosaurs. That's completely ridiculous. Please you know that, that some people are being taught this and some yeah, people believe this. Please change that in your in your in your list because it it makes you sound like a retard. And you're well, we not. Can worry, you're we can worry about that in a moment. We can worry about that in a moment. But do you understand that there are people out there who have been taught that dinosaurs decomposed into fossil fuels? Are you aware of this? Uh, it could be there. I mean, people tell things all the time. It doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter because the item that you're talking about is 37 things normies believe. And this is a belief that is held by normies. Maybe not all of the normies, but certainly some of them. 
So you can say that I yeah. sound like a retard, but if you're going to deny that there are people out there who claim that the dinosaurs, among other things, decomposed into what we call fossil fuels now, then it's not I who sounds like the retard, Gaia. I don't mind if, you getting into you, these personal if attacks. It, if you want to get into no, a personal, personal attack, attack, that's fine. No, because, uh, John, I, listen, I respect you. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking to you, really. I respect you, and I think you're a very sharp thinker. Um, that's why I was surprised to see that on your website, because what the fuck? Nobody seriously interested in this topic says that. Because oil is coming I'm from... I'm telling you that there are normies out there who believe yeah. that. And my article was entitled, 37 Things yeah. Normies Believe. That's what it was titled, wasn't now, it? It doesn't mean that you don't have a uh, responsibility. We talked about that the other day, about parents and vaccines. Um, that you have a responsibility to filter. I mean, you can, you can put up anything the Daily Mail says there. Yeah, that's what normies believe. Yeah, but you can also filter it out and select what actually the mainstream science says. Okay, that's great. So if I put an article with the title, Things That Mainstream Science Claims, then perhaps your criticism might be valid. But you're specifically referring to an article entitled 37 Things Normies Believe. And there are normies out there who do believe that dinosaurs and other creatures decomposed into what we now call fossil fuels. That's a fact. So your criticism is invalid. Yeah, yeah it's only invalid if you don't apply any filters to what you see online. And if you want to stick with that, then that's fine. I mean, you're cool. Well, everything I've said is true. Anyway. Everything I have said is true. The article is entitled 37 Things Normies Believe. There are normies out there who believe that dinosaurs yeah. and other creatures decompose oh, into fossil fuels. All factual, all logical. Your criticism is invalid. So, please talk. I will well, it appears as though Gaia has gone on mute and overly salted. He's ruffling through his uh, shopping or something. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. Yeah, I was taught that in school when I was a child. That uh, dinosaurs died and yeah, uh, other organic material. And over millions of years, that's what created uh, you know the oil, fossil fuels. Yep, that's what we were taught as well, my friend. And I grew up in Victoria, Australia. Whereabouts did you go to school? I grew up in uh, West Virginia. In uh, West Virginia. So that don't tell me that is in the northeast. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So two people from different parts of the earth have both been taught that dinosaurs decomposed into fossil fuels. I write an article entitled 37 Things Normies Believe. And the normies tend to believe what they were told at school. Certainly I did until relatively recently in my life. And apparently Gaia has a problem with me talking about this. It's a little strange. I think sometimes people like Gaia, they're effectively defending so-called science. The same way that religious people defend you know, their, their texts or whatever. And it's like, oh, well, you know, the, the book doesn't really say that. Or, you know, the real theologians don't really say that. And it's like, well, that's what's being taught in schools. Okay, so this is a big deal. This is what the normies believe. The normies are not going and studying the scientific papers. Mind you, neither are most of the conspiracy theorists either, which is why I do not identify with or call myself a conspiracy theorist, because most of them are completely retarded, right? But I have gone and looked at the scientific papers, and my work deals with the scientific papers. And I say, for instance, look at this new species they just discovered of a dinosaur. They openly admit they've only got 20% of the fossils of this species. Now, yeah. if this is the case, if this is the case, where are the other 80%? How can you know you've got a new okay, species okay, if John. you've only got 20%? Let's go back to your great, great, great grandmother of 500 years ago. You only find a couple of teeth, uh, a rib and a foot. Does that mean she wasn't the whole person? No, it doesn't. You can read I haven't found, this is another speculative hypothetical, I no, haven't found any traces no. of my great, great, great grandmother. That is a, an analogy to what you're saying. You cannot re reconstruct animals from just a couple of bones. That's what you're saying. Firstly, firstly, if I did find trace amounts of my great-great-great-grandmother's body, 
She would be a human, and we know what humans look like. We know how many bones they have. We know, we know how those bones fit together. Well, just, just let me finish. We yeah. know what humans look like. We know how many bones they have. We know how those bones fit together. Now, if you have discovered a new species of dinosaur, from what reference point are you coming to the conclusion that you have 20% of that species? Think about this logically. You have other reptiles which have this similar bone structure, which we have. How do you know? How do you know that they're similar? How do you know that? Because you have found similar reptiles who have the same bone structure. No, you but you're, you're doing circular reasoning now. I said, how no. do you know that they're the same? Well, I'm not circular reasoning. You you recognize the same um, aspects of the, that fossil in another fossil. So is it so hard to understand? Then how do you know it's a, how do you know it's a new species? Then how do you know it's not just the same species? Because it is different, apparently. And also, I mean, that's... that's you uh, haven't even read these studies, and you're defending them. Uh, uh, sorry, John, you cannot say that to me. No. Um, it, that's a red herring, too, because you say uh, a new species. I mean, uh, paleontologists really like a new species because, because they can put their name on it. That is not an argument against having a new genus, really. So you agree with me that these uh, species, the paleontologists have a vested interest in creating new species, yeah? I don't disagree with that, no. Yeah, so we go back to the question. If you only have 20% of an allegedly new species, how do you know that it's a new species? How do you know you because only have 20%? It has, it has different uh, characteristics, common, similar but different other genus or species however you want to call it. But you don't know that they're similar. You only have 20% of this new creature. Yeah, but if you have the same... If you have a femur, let's say, of uh, one animal, you can compare it to femurs of all other animals that were found, and if it's slightly different, then they put it in a new genus. That's how paleontology works. But there is no official paleontology. I mean, if other paleontologists disagree, and this happens all the time, they put it in a new genus or in a different how family. How do you know it's a femur? If you, find, you said if you find a femur, how do you know that it's a femur? I don't, because I'm not an expert on that, but other people, they know how animals, uh, the anatomy and so they know how they behave. The experts can just look at a multi-million-year-old fossil and identify that it's a femur. They just must know somehow. If it's not a femur, what is it then? I don't know. That is not an answer, John. Sorry. I'm asking you, how do these people know that it's a femur? Because of the shape, because of the uh, structure, because of the cohesion of the bone. I mean, these people have all their measures. Oh, these people just have it all worked out. They can just look at a multi-million-year-old fossil and identify that it was part of a leg of a creature from millions of years ago. Yeah, a whole new so creature, we, that's, ne a so whole new creature we, that's never been seen before. So we go back to your grandmother. If we find a femur, do you think it's not a femur? It's something else? Well, if she's a human, we have plenty of humans to compare her against, don't we? Whereas if it's a new species of dinosaur, we have no reference point. Yes, we have other species of other reptiles to compare it against. But we don't know how similar it is. It's a new species. Yeah, but a, um, a chimpanzee is also in the. It's not even the same genus, but the same family as humans. You're listening to another hour of Fakeologist Audio Chat on Fakeologist.com. Okay, just a well, second. I have got uh, to just say, a second, just a second, uh, John. Uh, let, let going. I've got to say, that is a terrific new bumper that uh, Ab has put together. I love that. Ab, if you're listening, mate, you've done really well with that one. And if I'm right, I think that that sound, that uh, lady shouting in the background, I think that's from one of the videos from 9-11. So that is very well done, Ab. Full kudos to you. But I have to get going, Guy. It's a shame. I feel like there's so many things that are far more interesting than that we could have discussed. You seem very confident in the dinosaur experts to the point where no, you defend no, them without no. even I, reading I their papers. Open. I am open to be convinced of the opposite, but I need a good model. That's the whole thing. Well, we still haven't established what the word model means to you because you say it's predictive, but it makes no predictions. I think to you, a model is just a fancy word for saying a story. 
You want a more no, convincing story. No, and I can't give you one. I can't give you a convincing based story. based on data and data, real empirical stuff. And that's why I like you. And that's uh, why I think it's so strange we disagree on so many points because this whole empirical idea, that's what science is for me. I don't think it is strange that we disagree. You've openly stated that you want a new story to replace the old stories, whereas I'm all about no. just looking at the official stories and finding the problems with them or seeing if they actually do hold water. I'm sure some official stories do hold water. I'm sure there must be some out there. But each official story I look at, I think to myself, this doesn't make sense. This is not logical. This seems yeah. completely yeah. illogical. But I'm not in the business of trying to put together new stories because yeah, I'm not trying to convince people like yourself to my way of thinking. That's not yeah, my goal. That's my position. I need two points. One is prove that the official story is wrong. And second is provide a better story that uh, covers all the points the official story um, uh, covers but then explains better new uh, findings. Sure, but even your use of the word prove there, it takes some time to establish what that word even means to you, prove. How do you prove something? That's the thing. I mean, if you are able with your Bonner model to prove the heliocentric model wrong... But I'm not, I'm we've already established I'm not even trying to do that. The heliocentric model, the basic heliocentric model, just the basic one, and by basic I mean just concerning what we call the solar system, the lights in the sky that we call planets, using a heliocentric model, just of the planets not getting into dark matter and asteroids and all that crap, yeah, just yeah, dealing yeah. with the lights observable, that we call Observable universe. Just dealing with the lights that we call planets, the heliocentric yeah. model works, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I agree. The heliocentric model can actually make predictions that you can see for yourself come true. Like you said, kinematically it works, but dynamically you disagree. Exactly, exactly. So when I talk about lights in the sky, I mean that, lights in the sky. I'm not talking about imagining that these are actual physical bodies out in space interacting via gravity. I mean purely from the perspective of we can see the light, so empirically we can observe them. You can use a heliocentric model, purely a model, to make predictions, and the predictions will come true. It's just exactly. patterns. The, light, the lights are just following patterns, right? Exactly. So I'm not trying to say that the basic heliocentric model is wrong. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, what I am pointing out, however, is that you can use a so-called geocentric model, which can also make accurate predictions. I'm also mm -hmm. pointing out that even if the heliocentric model works, which I believe it does, that does not mean that we actually live on a giant spinning ball hurtling around the sun. No, and actually that uh, stance, that position, I miss in the dinosaur and evolution things you point out. Well, the good news for you is that if you don't like my work on dinosaurs, you can go and do your own work, and I'd be more than happy mm -hmm. to read it. If you have any work to share on dinosaurs, I'd be more than happy no, to see I, it. No, that's the point. I'm not interested in dinosaurs, really. Well, apparently you are, because we've just spent the last 20 no, minutes No, yeah, but that is so only because we disagree on it. It doesn't mean I'm interested. So you'll talk for 20 minutes about things that you're not interested in. <laughs> oh, yes. There are so many things that we could discuss. Work, man. There are so uh, many things that we could discuss, and all I of mean, my work on dinosaurs is there for people to see, and you're trying to tell me that we've just spent those 20 minutes talking about them, and you're not even interested. It's It's not... The top of my list now. Well, in any event, I have to get going, so it was a pleasure to talk to okay, you guys. Yeah, and sure. overly salted as well. Nice to say hello. Hopefully we can chat again in the future. But I have to go and get to my so-called real job. So I'll be yeah, on my way. Too. But all the best. Okay. All, all the, the best, best too. Out there. Take care. Take care. And so that was the conversation that I had with Gaia, my first ever conversation with Gaia. And again, I can't stress this enough. Gaia is a person who has actually helped me in what I'm trying to do, in trying to grow my site and grow the audience and share what I call real skepticism. Gaia has helped that with positive word of mouth. In fact, word of mouth can often be the best way to promote a product or a service or an idea or a concept. And that's what Guy has done. So I was thankful and I remain thankful for that. As you could see with that discussion, Gaia and myself come from very different places when it comes to 
what are we trying to do when we express our ideas? In my case, I am looking at the evidence and I'm applying what I call logic and I've expanded upon my epistemological framework, the method by which I analyze information and try to arrive at conclusions. That's what I'm doing. I'm saying, here's the evidence that I've found. Here's the logic as I apply to it. Here are the conclusions I've reached. And that is all. It really makes zero difference to me if I convince even one person that my conclusions are correct or valid or worthwhile. In fact, if my conclusions are wrong, I'm much, much better off if other people can explain this to me. And the best way to do that is to show that the evidence is faulty or that there's missing evidence that I'm not aware of, that I'm not factoring in to my uh, conclusions, or that my logic is wrong, that I've committed some kind of fallacy or that there's an error in the chain of logic or what have you. By focusing on the evidence and the logic, it becomes not about me at all. And I think this is a good way to try and deal with the world in which we live, a world which is full of deceptions, to take ourselves out of the equation, to take our egos and our preconceived notions out of the equation and say, right, what is the evidence? Because the evidence is independent of me. If I was to disappear tomorrow, the evidence would still be there. Or in some cases, as is the case with history, the evidence would still be missing. Same with logic. The logic doesn't depend on me. Basic ideas like non sequitur, logical fallacies and these sorts of things, they exist independent of me. And without getting into a discussion in this particular podcast about meta-logic and the deeper consequences of thinking about thinking and these sorts of things, the point I'm making is this. If I am wrong about my conclusions concerning dinosaurs, for instance, to me, that's not something I would take personally if I were to learn it. I don't really need my conclusions to be right about this. I'm simply sharing what my conclusions are in the hope that if I am wrong, someone can show me Or if my conclusions actually are logical and make sense and they're based on good evidence, other people who might benefit from that can do so. That's what I'm here for. I'm not here to start a movement. I'm not here to be part of a movement. I'm not here to change the world. Once upon a time, I did think that technology could be used to help people wake up, in inverted commas, and uh, start seeing things for what they are. Once upon a time, I did believe that. I no longer do. And so I'm not here to try to convince anybody. That's where I'm coming from. Now, I'm not going to speak for Gaia. Gaia can speak for himself and we'll probably get a chance to chat again in the future. But what I detected when I was speaking to Gaia and then listening back to that was that Gaia comes from a place that's more similar to where I was a few years ago and where I think most truth people are to this day, which is where they do want to convince others to their way of thinking. Now, I've got my... And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. Now, I've got my theories as to why so many people are so keen to try to convince others to their way of thinking. I'm not speaking specifically about Gaia here. I'm just talking in in general. I think one of the reasons is because people do see this as a battle between good and evil, and they feel that they've got the truth and the truth is good. And so they need to share it and to spread it and to convince others and effectively to either be part of or to start some kind of movement for mass socio-political change. And in many ways, you can say that that is a noble endeavor. I think there are also some people who don't necessarily want to change the world. What they're trying to do is to convince others to their way of thinking, because deep down, they're insecure about their own beliefs. And so if they can convince you, or they can convince me, or they can convince other people to their way of thinking, it gives them a sense of satisfaction or a sense of affirmation that they are on the right track. So whether it is a case of proselytizing to change the world or trying to spread their own beliefs to satisfy themselves, there's some kind of innate desire that they have to change the beliefs of others. And I can fully understand it. I can relate to it. I can empathize with it. But that is not where I'm coming from with the work that I'm doing. What I'm focused on is the evidence and the logic and drawing logical conclusions from inspecting the evidence, it really has very little to do with my beliefs or with me, which is why if you come to me and say, JLB, I want you to convince me that dinosaurs are fake, I probably won't even try. I might ask you, why do you want me to do that? I will say to you, are you happy believing in dinosaurs? 
if you're happy believing in dinosaurs, why would I try to take that away from you? You see, why, why would I do that? There's no benefit to me that I can see anyhow from me trying to do that. If you are happy with your beliefs, I say keep leading a happy life. That's what I'm searching for. I'm searching for happiness and satisfaction. And I don't pretend that I've found it yet. I do not pretend that. So who am I to sit here and say, I want others to believe what I believe, or I want others to see the world the way that I see it. Why would I do that? If I was truly happy and at peace with the world and content and in nirvana, then maybe I would try to share this with other people and spread it because I'd want them to be happy and in nirvana. You could make that case. But I don't pretend for a moment that I'm happy or at nirvana or at complete peace. I feel like I'm making improvements, but I feel like I've got a long way to go. And without exception so far, without a single exception, the people who I bump into in this online realm who are trying to convince others to their way of thinking or trying to demand that I convince them of my way of thinking, they're also clearly not happy. And my evidence for that is how they react when their views are challenged. You can come and you can challenge my views and I'm not going to get emotional about it and I'm not going to start calling you names or any of this kind of thing because what do I care? If you're challenging my views, it's not really about me. So little of this is about me and I think a lot of people, they confuse arrogance and egoism and confidence. All of these things are the same thing to them. But to me, if you really believe that the truth is about you, maybe that is a form of egoism. Whereas for me, I'm just giving you my inferences based on the evidence and the logic. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's no big deal. Let's focus on the evidence. Let's focus on the logic. Let's focus less on me. Sorry about the background noise, guys. I live right near a major road and sometimes trucks drive past and I think, is that truck on my front lawn? Is that what's going on here? It's crazy. Anyway, if you come along and someone passionately, passionately believes whatever they believe, and you come along and you're dispassionate about it because to you, it's just a belief. You want to focus on the evidence and the logic. I can see how that would be infuriating for people with strong beliefs. I can fully understand that. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm not the one who made people so attached to their beliefs. I'm not the one who built up their ego to make them think that they can know so much by regurgitating what's in a book. It wasn't me who did that. And if there was something I could do to fix it, I might try. The reality is for the last few years, I have done a lot to try to help people to see that they've been deceived. And the vast majority don't want to know. And that is entirely fine by me. I now see that most people just want to live their life and keep repeating the patterns of the lifestyle that they lead. They want to wake up when the alarm goes off. They want to drop the kids off at school, go to work, make sure they get to that meeting that they got the memo about yesterday in time so that that manager that they don't like doesn't yell at them or whatever. Then they want to pick up the kids from sport or from music practice on the way home. They want to get whatever the wife told them to buy from the milk bar or from the shops on the way home. They want to navigate dinner without the wife bringing up that issue about the weekend. They want to watch TV. They want to go to sleep. That's what they want to do. They couldn't care less about dinosaurs or heliocentrism or even just basic existentialism. They couldn't care less. And these days, I don't see that as being necessarily a problem. I say live and let live. And I know that to many people, even just saying that is going to be infuriating and again, there's not very much I can do about that. So I hope you enjoyed my chat with Gaia just now. Hopefully I get a chance to chat with Gaia again because I feel we could have had a much more productive conversation focusing on other uh, topics. But I thought you might get something out of that and I hope that you did. Now, I need to give credit to a small but growing number of people who allow this kind of content to be made in the first place because basically it works like this. Here we are at the end of 2017. I'm a 30-year-old man. And I'm getting by on anywhere from two to five days a week of work, but more often just a couple of days a week of a real job. And I'm able to get by because I'm also generating income from this website. So these people who I'm about to read out, these are the kind of people who make this podcast that you've just listened to possible. Why? Because I'm recording this preface and post script, I guess, for this podcast. I'm recording this now on a Thursday at about 1 p.m. I usually don't work Thursdays because I don't work a full-time job. I'm able to survive, like I said, on a couple of days a week of so-called real work because of the website. In other words, 
I'd normally be, if I was a normal person, at a job right now, unable to record this. But I'm able to do it because people support what I'm doing. And I think that's fantastic. So I want to read out the following people in alphabetical order. These are the people who are helping to make this website happen. And I am incredibly appreciative of it. Alistair Kane, Alpha X Omega, Archer, who is a new edition. BM Seattle, another new edition. Bruno214, a new edition as of two days ago. Big Dave, Chad628, CM, DB user, Dante from New York. DJ Mo, 1987. Fung, and I hope I'm pronouncing that one properly because Fung is another new edition. G Malicious, Hando out there in Estonia. Harry L, H Dog, and JSOG, both new editions. Jimmy Scowler, Jumpy64, Nate M, Local Chump, Mass, Mezzi, who's been there right from the start. Negan Tropic, PJG, Rebel, Shirt Ninja, Silver Tree, Stanson, STS1316, The Prophet 49, They Are Laughing at Us, Taiki Limited, Tom Foolery, and WhatsApp Sports. So still a relatively small but a growing audience of people who care enough about this to support it. And for just one coffee per week, by shouting JLB, just one coffee per week, these people get access to a wealth of content that is not available anywhere else. Articles, podcasts, and videos that I'm not releasing publicly. These people deserve it because they're supporting it. And what kind of content am I talking about? Well, let me finish on this note. Ancient history. Ancient history. We are all convinced that there were these people sitting around thousands of years ago, pontificating about existentialism, eating their grapes you know, with their chiseled abs, even into their 40s and 50s. People like Plato and Herodotus. We all know for certain that this actually happened, that ancient Greece and ancient Rome and ancient Egypt, we know that these ancient civilizations definitely existed. We know all of that. How do we know that? What if I told you that it's very easy to disprove this popular notion of ancient history And not by reference to conspiracy theorists, not by reference to the clowns and charlatans of the so-called truth movement, but by actually reading the books from the official storytellers, from the official historians, even a book from the person who used to run the Oxford Library, one of the main libraries at Oxford, no conspiracy theorist, no chump, in fact, a believer and promoter of ancient Egypt, but by reading their works and reading between the lines and comparing this claim with that claim, and doing the research, doing the actual research, what if I told you that there's a very strong case to be made that we've been completely deceived about what was supposedly happening thousands of years ago? What if I told you that? Well, if you head along to johnlebon.com right now, you can sign up for a free membership. Send me an email. I will manually upgrade you to a part member. won't cost you a cent. You can check out a one-hour clip that I put together for you, which was taken from some full member content. Check that out, and I think once you do, you might be thinking to yourself, maybe it's worth $5 a week. Maybe it's worth one coffee a week, because this is good stuff, and it's not being done anywhere else. I am the only person doing this. I wish I wasn't. I wish there were more people doing this than me, but there aren't. I'm the only one, and you can see it for yourself on johnlebon.com. Call me arrogant. Call me conceited. Call me whatever you like. All I care about is the research, the evidence, the logic, and I'm sharing that with you at johnlebond.com. So go and check that out. But that's it from me on the 30th of November 2017. Let's go out with the same track that we came in with. This is Kevin McLeod's Daily Beetle, a cute, simple little arrangement. And once again, you can go and check out incompetech.com and get heaps of free music for your own content. This is not a paid advertisement. I just want to say thanks to a man whose work has helped me so much. So thank you very much, Kevin McLeod, and thank you to all of you who've supported what I'm doing. We're only getting bigger and better. We're only getting stronger. And a huge thanks to you, Gaia. Even if our first conversation wasn't as productive as I might have liked, you've helped me to grow the website. And for that, I am very thankful. Hopefully, we can cross paths again at some point in the future. That's it, guys. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves.